0: Good evening, this is Marty Schupat for Jets Rewind, formerly Green Rewind, and I'm here in Valley Cottage, New York. I'm with Ray Clifford and Ralph Schreger. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing good. Yeah, I forgot that
1: this is the Jets Rewind now. We should have a celebration.
0: Yeah, we will be um, uh, launching the new website shortly, but we'll, we'll be able to get this uh, out to people. They'll still have no problem getting it. Uh, Ralph, first off, you have a trivia question. So if you speak slowly, and I'm going to write it down. Okay. And let's get going. And then we got a lot to do.
1: Okay. Uh, on the present Jets roster, name all. How many players have at any time in their career made a Pro Bowl? And then you can name all of them after <laughs> you guess the number. <laughs>
0: okay, that's actually a pretty good question. All right, look, I want to start out a couple of uh, things. Uh, It came out uh, a day ago, uh, Woody Johnson, in an article by CNN, accused him of some uh, racist remarks and sexist remarks. Ralph, is there a story there at all, or is this just CNN, like, picking on one of the Trump uh, appointees and picking... You know, I'm no fan
1: of Woody Johnson. You know, he's an entitled white guy from, uh, you know, lots of money and... But uh, it's just allegations and, you know, Roger Goodell is not going to fire him and Snyder and uh, Bob Kraft for going to a massage parlor. I mean, these guys all pay his salary. So, well, I'd like to see him go cause I don't think he's a very good owner. I don't think there's anything to it actually that's going to happen.
0: Ray, any thoughts on what's going on? I know Ray, Ray loves talking politics.
2: Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know yet. I mean, what I, from what you read in the article, but it's hard to go by any one uh, media site these days because they tend to skew it one way or the other. The part that the the story I read that does concern me is how it affects the the players on the team. If they really take it uh, seriously and and, uh, are bothered by it, it could could cause waves within the locker room. But uh, I'm, I'm going to hold off and wait and, and see where, where it goes from here before I really decide how bad it is. Right. Well, hopefully
0: this will die out, um, but leave it to the Jets. As of now, in, unless you guys heard something different, the only draft pick unsigned is uh, Ashton Ashton Davis. Davis, yeah. So he's not signed. And a couple of other things. They decided there's going to be no exhibition games. And also the uh, roster, the training camp roster is going to be reduced from 90 to 80. And uh, I just want to ask you guys, Ray, how does that affect the Jets, especially an offensive line that really hasn't played together at all with no exhibition games?
2: You're going to go into the season with guys who have no snaps together. They've had no chance to uh, gel as a line you have rookies who have never taken a snap in the NFL and you're going to walk into a season and hope they can all come together and play, you know, know, the way we had hoped when they started assembling this group. I think it's a a disaster waiting to happen from an injury standpoint, from, uh, from teams who are are really like the Jets young and and being rebuilding teams who have played together uh, for a while might be, might be uh, better off in the early part of the year than teams like the Jets. And mainly it bothers me because I think the NFL, instead of really paying attention to what other leagues have done, has followed the baseball example and really dropped the ball on this whole thing. And, and all of this stuff could have been, could have been uh, worked out months ago. And, and now we're getting down to money and stuff like that. It just bugs the hell out. Well,
0: you mentioned baseball. I just want to mention it because right as we're talking, the Yankees are playing the Washington Nationals. And uh, Ralph knows about Juan Soto, one of the brilliant young players of the Washington Nationals. Mm-hmm. He's not playing because he, um, uh, he had positive for COVID. So he, he's not playing the first game of the year. And the way baseball has it now is that he won't be able to play unless he tests negative twice in a row. I don't know how that works, whether it's 24 hours apart, or 48. Now, this is leading into my next question for Ralph. As we proceed with the NFL season, how do you think this is going to proceed, Ralph? <laughs> oh, and, and the question is, the Jets play, um, uh, by the way, training camp, I don't think it's going to start till the middle of August, but the Jets play Buffalo. After the first game that Monday, what happens if Jamal Adams tests positive, and Josh Allen tests positive. How does the NFL proceed?
1: Well, this is this is all new territory. I I, I don't have any answers for you. Uh, as far as as far as preseason goes, I mean, you, we we got to just take what we can get. If this, if we can get some games in the season, it's worth it. I understand no preseason means. You know, rookies and new guys are at a disadvantage. But, it, you know, it's the same for everyone. Uh, some teams are more experienced. But, Marty, there's so many, so, you know, I mean, I'm reading about how they're going to deal with school, and every day there's a new problem that someone brings up. You know, the whole the – you know, everyone's just flying by the
0: seat of their pants. So, uh, Ray, you would say that the, the season's definitely going to start – but from there, they're going to have to ad lib what's going to happen, and can you see Ray them changing locations for games at all?
2: Um, I think everything's in play at this point. I think they, uh, I don't think they have a set game plan going for anything. I don't know how you, I don't know how you minimize, you know, make the roster smaller. Instead of bigger in a situation like this,
1: yeah. You're I, in the,
2: I, way. The, the only
0: the only thing I could think of, and I, I, I again I haven't read it because there are no exhibition games. I'm guessing that that was a trade off mm. for the owners. Now, with that said, I I can't see how they don't expand the roster when the season starts. Not so much the roster, but I would guess the practice squad from mm-hmm. whatever it is six or seven to like twenty. If they if they increase the roster, the owners are going to have to play the NFL minimum, and they're not going to want to do that. Um, as we all know, the practice squad they get like uh, pittance compared to the right like NFL about five thousand a game, yeah, yeah, something like five thousand a game. <laughs> but as far as the stadiums, and again, <laughs> we're going to move on. If three Jets have it, <clears throat> excuse me, and then there's a home game, or they they were tested after a home game, and what if the Patriots says, we're not going to go into uh, MetLife Stadium. We're just not going to do it. Can you see them changing that game uh, to up in Foxborough? No, oh, we're going to take a forfeit on that, Marty. Anything yeah, to we'll beat the Patriots. It. You know, I mean, it's. It, I don't think the uh, NFL Players Association is going to accept that, okay, we're going to bomb the Jets' locker room and purify it. Okay, let's <laughs> move on. Um, Ralph, you have some uh, – questions i guess some over unders we're gonna we're gonna go over and by the way i want to make an announcement guys that we will us three are going to be involved in a pick six pool which we're gonna pick the quarterbacks probably sometime in august and i'm just getting the rules set now i'll talk to you both off air we'll discuss it and uh ralph we have to get ray's gonna retire so we got to get him to run it on the side he'll keep track of the stats (laughs) all right ralph (laughs) Yeah, see, Ray, you're looking for things to do. We got it for you. All right, Ralph, I'm going to turn it over to you now. You got some questions for Ray and I.
1: All right, these are over-unders about the Jets, and we're assuming it's a 16-game season, okay? Uh, um, And, Marty, this first one is very interesting. It's Sam Darnold, over-under, 28-and-a-half touchdown passes. Um, Before you answer, I just actually heard on some other site that Caesars Palace has twenty and a half for him. I want to. I wanted some money on that. He threw nineteen last year in that ridiculous season. I think that's that is so
2: low. Uh,
0: it's twenty eight and a half. Ray, why don't you take this first? Over under.
2: You know, Ray. I'm going to be. I'm, I'm going to be. Uh, I'm going to be positive on it. I'm going to say over. Um, but the the scary part to me is like we like we just talked about with how they're plan to start up the season with no preseason games. So that, that could put a, put a wrench in all these numbers, but uh, assuming they play fairly well in the beginning, I think they'll gel. And I think you'll have a, a good year by the end of the year. So I'm going to go over. Uh, I'm going to go under. I actually
0: think it's going to be somewhere between the 20 and 28. I'm guessing 25 or 26. I would hope it would be over 28 and a half. Uh, and Ralph, if you put a few shekels, I mean, I might put a couple of shekels on that, too, just like if the odds are 100 to 1 that he gets MVP. So that's something I might put something down, too, and I don't really even bet. All right, Ralph, what's the next one? Next one is
1: Quinn Williams, six sacks over under. I'm not putting a half down because you can get half
0: sacks. So I'll go first. Uh, you know what? I'm going to say under because just today it came out that his case – with his illegal handgun at the airport, was uh, delayed again. I don't know where that's going. I mm. hope he doesn't miss any games, but I'm going to assume that he might miss one or two. I think it's right around five or six, but I'm going to go with an under on that.
2: Well, I'm going to assume, and unless I hear otherwise, I'm going to assume everything had a full full schedule and and a, you know and he doesn't get hurt and those kind of things that could happen. Um, and I'm going to still say under because I, I don't know if the ankle was as big a deal as they've made it sound like. Until I see him dominate the line, then I might feel differently. But I do think he can make a difference in the run game, but I don't know if he'll get a lot of sacks. Yeah,
1: it's uh,
2: a position you've got to be
1: special to get a lot of sacks. And I'll say under as well. Okay, the next one, uh, Rashard Perriman, 750 yards and receptions over
0: under. Ooh, Ray, you take this one first.
2: I'm going to go uh, under. I think he likes uh, Crowder so much more that Perriman's not going to get. I think Perriman will make a difference, but I don't think he's going to be the kind of guy like Crowder who's going to be his go-to guy game in and game out. And Mims, if, if Mims steps up, I think he'll take away some from Perriman too. And that's what I'm hoping, but we'll see. If Mims, if Mims, struggles then he might make it though
0: i'm gonna go under uh ralph i think the number for him is like between 650 and 700 just like what ray said i just think with crowder and mims and herndon assuming he comes back there's just not enough balls to go around you know, you know ralph it's like the old saying when uh, well, i mean we could be wrong Do you remember when the knicks picked up Roman monroe yeah <laughs> you know but the we we'll see what's your what's. I'm going to go. I'm going
1: to go under as well. You know, don't, don't forget Levy and Bellys. Hopefully he's going to throw to him a lot this year too. Um, all right. The next one is kind of a funky one. It's a combination. Bryce Hall and Ashton Davis together three and a half interceptions over under.
0: Wait, three and a half interceptions.
1: Yeah. Be, uh, Bryce Hall and then uh, Ashton Davis combined.
0: I'm going to go wonder. I mean, Ashton Davis isn't even signed yet. <laughs> I, Nobody. No, I know. Uh, but I
2: must assume they, they play the full season.
0: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to go wonder. I just – because I I have a feel you might see Bryce Hall start on the pup list uh, right away. And um, Ashton Davis, I don't know how much time he's going to get. So, I, I'm going to go wonder right now.
2: Ready? I'm going to – I'm going to try and, again, be a little positive. Ashton Davis seems to be a ball hawk, and I'm going to, I'm going to say that he's going to, he's going to get at least two and hopefully three. And then if Bryce Hall doesn't go on the pup list and plays, you know, I, I'm, I think he could get one. I'm, I'm going to go over. You know, I, I would have definitely gone over, except
1: for the fact that, you know, there's the preseason is practically not going to happen, and, and they're rookies, so I think that'll hurt them. But I think in a normal year I'd go over. Okay, next one: Jamison Crowder, eighty-five receptions.
2: Um, go ahead, Ray. I'll go over. If if he stays healthy, uh, he has such a he already has such a connection with Sam, and he's our go-to guy on on the short yardage uh, plays. I I see him, you know, averaging you know seven or eight. Catches easily a game, and then having a, f- a few big ones beyond that. I,
0: I'm going to go over to. I think the guy is a, a tremendous player. He's a hard worker. I think he has a chemistry with Sam Darnold, and I think with a better line. And we talk about this all the time. How, you know, when when Sam had the average amount of seconds for protection, he was seven and one the last two years. I think he's going to go over 85. Yeah, I'm, I'm going
1: over, too. I think he can break 90. Um, okay, Le'Veon Bell, 1,100 yards over under.
2: Oh, wow. Me?
0: Yeah, I, Ray, you can go. Go
2: ahead, Ray. Under. <laughs> Till I see that our line, and again, we're talking about how they're going to be with no preseason, and that's a line we just put together. So I'm not sure how good they'll be, especially in the beginning of the year. I'm not sure he's going to have much more room to work with than he did last year, at least at the beginning of the year. And plus, we've picked up some guys who can, uh, who can also get take some snaps away from him. So uh, I'm going to go under. I'm going over. I'm, I think
0: he's coming in this season with a chip in his shoulder. Uh, I'm counting on Adam Gase to really embrace him more than he did last year. And build some plays around him, not just as a receiver out of the backfield, but running the ball. You know, I, I, I mentioned last week how I was reviewing tons of tape of him. And yeah. the one thing I'll tell you about him, too, besides being like a guy that is a slasher and moves, he's got a nose for the end zone. He's pretty good. And a guy like that, I was surprised at, uh, with his size, he's able to move the pile a little bit. So uh, I'm going to go over you know, when I
1: first did this, I put the number at 1,000, and I said, no, I think he's going to get 1,000. So I think, I think it'll be between 1,000 and 1,100. I'll go under, but I, I think he's got a shot at it. All right, last one. Denzel Mims, 50 receptions.
0: Uh, that's a tough one. I'm going to go under. I think it's somewhere between 40 and 44. I think he's going to have some growing pains. Uh, it's It's rare that a receiver – just comes in and just explodes. Even if you remember Jerry Rice, his rookie year, he had the drops. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to go under. I'm going to say it's going to be between like 35 and like 42.
2: Anything, Rick? I'm going under. Um, But that doesn't mean I don't think that'll still be a good year for him. I think if he shows he has uh, the, the big playability plus his size, I think he might be a go-to guy, and I think we might see his numbers uh, take an uptick towards the end of the year as, as they start relying on him more if he pans out. Yeah, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna on? go. Yeah, sorry, yeah.
1: I'm go gonna go over it because uh, I think the second half of the year he's gonna come on strong. I think he'll establish himself as their best wideout, better than Perriman. So, and I'm a big fan of his. So. I'll go over. Okay, that's it. I got some more for next week. Okay, and uh,
0: I just want to give you guys, you know, I have these little scenarios I like to throw in there, and I don't give you a hint. Here's one for you, okay? As we all know, the Jets lost out on Dan Marino, thanks to Mike Hickey. And we also lost out to um, uh, Peyton Manning. Here's the question: If you could, thanks have, to
1: Bill Parcells and Drew Bledsoe, yeah. actually, yeah. Yeah. If you,
0: yeah, if you could have one of the two, uh, just going back with the the same competition with the Patriots that they were and whatever Don Shula out of Miami, which would you rather have? And considering how long they played, would you have rather had Peyton Manning or Dan Marino? Okay, so, rather the, so.
1: the exact careers that they had, and they, would, uh, they
0: well, they wouldn't have the exact careers, but knowing how, they, knowing how they play and given that they're going to play the same number of years, uh-huh. who would you rather uh, have, Ralph? I, I, take, I take Marino,
1: personal favorite, and uh, I just think that statistically he was on a different, he, he was a freak. He was like a Gretzky in his time. He was doing things that nobody ever came close to doing. Um, I don't know that he was the better quarterback,
2: but I personally liked him better. Ray? Marino, I I was so – I'm still – that's just painful even thinking about that draft still. I watched him in college, and I was just so ready for him to be our quarterback. And the difference between us and Miami was I think we would have supplied him with a running game that he almost never had in all his time in Miami. That's true. I think he would have – it's just – it kills me. (laughs) Marino.
0: I'm unanimous. I would say Marino, too. He would have been the perfect guy, like, I guess it's like seven or eight years after Namath left. it would be another Joe Namath. He had the charisma. He had everything else. And I actually think we could have won one or two Super Bowls, unlike what happened uh, down in in, in Miami.
1: Yeah, they had, Jets had very good teams in the 80s. That was (laughs) a good decade for them.
2: And (laughs) really quick on Manning, the thing about him that I loved, I wish we'd have picked him, but it bugged me that it seemed like uh, Belichick was in his head every time they played. And that yeah, that's true. Two times a year.
1: That's a good point.
2: He did. You're absolutely right. Um, yeah, and
1: actually, man, not to interrupt, Manning was not a good cold-weather quarterback, uh, and he that's, would have been stuck in New York, yeah. <laughs>
0: that's right. Ralph and Ray, last week we went through our favorite games, and I don't want to rehash that. We're going to get – right after I discuss another game, we're going to get into the um, – Jets secondary are all-time favorites, okay? But I just want to mention one game that I'm sure you both remember and we were just talking about Marino. It was the Jets over the Dolphins 51-45 mm. where Ken O'Brien, he was like 29 for 43, 479 yards. They both combined for 884 yards. That was a back and forth contest, back and forth contest. It was wide open old AFL I love that game, and uh, I wish we had mentioned it last week. But uh, Ralph, what's your recollection of that game?
1: Yeah, I thought about that game too, uh, Marty, as a possibility. I was surprised someone didn't bring it up. Um, you know, the thing about Ken O'Brien is, and I, I know a lot of people were annoyed by him because he held on to the ball so long. <laughs> but you know, if he didn't have Marino, didn't have to play a Marino shadow, he'd had a decent career for the Jets. Uh, it's kind of a shame. Uh, he won some really good games. Uh, he played, had some good seasons. Uh, and that was, that was probably his greatest game, I guess.
0: Uh, My I was a huge Al Toon fan. I thought that he ruined his career. throwing yeah, know. Passes over the middle. Toon was getting concussed like every other week. Ray, do you remember that game, the
2: Jets over the Dolphins? Oh, yeah. I remember that game. I remember watching that game and, and, Looking back, that was uh, O'Brien's one claim to fame against Marino. Otherwise, we've not <laughs> dominated it. But And I'm one of those who just – it just killed me watching. He never met a sack he didn't like. He just would hold on to that ball, and I'd be screaming at the TV, throw it away, throw it away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: And, right, right. Um, um, all right, we're going to get into the uh, all, our all-time secondary. We did the line, and we did the linebackers. And we're picking two safeties and two cornerbacks. So I'm going to have Ralph, why don't you start and then Ray will, we'll hear Ray's picks and mine. And like everything, we're going to overlap and we might have the exact yeah. same picks.
1: Okay. For the two corners, obviously Rebus. The other one, I'm going with Aaron Glenn. And for my safeties, I'm going to go
0: with Jamal Adams and Eric McMillan. Wow. Wow. That's funny. And, uh, Jamal Adams, you think he's got enough in there to pick him? I mean, you're just going by the talent, and I guess. No,
1: I think he's got enough um, because there are a lot of a lot of good ones. But I, you know, I, I, I can't think of one that's actually done more than he's done in his three years already. I... Interesting, Ray.
2: Well, <clears throat> I'm going with uh, DBs as Revis and Glenn uh marty one thing we had talked about during the week and i want to because i was going through the jets uh rosters i know you're gonna say burgess owens burgess owens shows up as a safety on the. you're right okay yeah he was a safety uh yeah i i would love to say adams but it's just for me he needs to you know he needs to get a couple more years and i i think he has definitely the obvious of the ability if he stays healthy and stays on the jets but uh so other I'm not gonna include him at this point. Um and I'm going with uh, Burgess Owens and Eric McMillan.
0: Burgess Owens, Eric good picks. All right, like you guys, I have Darrell Revis and Aaron Glenn. Safeties, I I kind of went a little different. Um I I remember watching this guy play and he was like the original ball hawk. And I don't think Jeff fans appreciated him. It was Bill Baird who I thought was a tremendous ball player. Um, He had like, I think 34 lifetime interceptions. And a lot of people don't realize this guy, when he uh, first came up, he also returned punts and kickoffs and he did a heck of a good job doing that. Um, So I picked Bill Beard and the other one, I picked Burgess Owens and I'm just going from memory. He was such a solid player and, he was such a great tackler where he'd grasp a guy and he, he never really missed a tackle. It was a shame that we lost him uh, and he ended up winning a Super Bowl, which is good for him. Uh, Eric McMillan was very good. I just want to say also that um, I tried to pick out some, I did it last week, I think when I mentioned um, uh, Brian Cox, best one season linebacker. I had put down for a couple of best I think almost the best season and, and Ralph you might agree or disagree I thought the, the Super Bowl year 1968 Jim Hudson had one of the best seasons I ever <laughs> saw he was That's, always in the right place at the yeah. right time and teaming him with Bill Beard actually that year that was the best safety combination I ever saw on the Jets um and the last thing I'll say, Ralph, I'll turn it over to you. I thought Daryl Ray's second season, he was unbelievable. Yeah,
1: Darryl Ray had a similar career to Eric McMillan. About had four great years, and then he fell off the map. Hudson was terrific. Funny story about Hudson, if you remember the Heidi game, he got thrown out of that game late in the game. He was, he was so pissed off because the Raiders were cheap shotting. And – when the Raiders won the game, when uh, Lamonica throws that swing pass to Charlie Smith, his, his backup, Mike D'Amato, was there. He went, they went right at him, and they won the game because of that. You know, by the way, uh, another guy, safety, uh, who actually had 12 interceptions most ever for a Jet, Danard Paulson. Remember him? That's early really 60s. That's really way back. Really yeah, way back. quickly, quickly uh, just one, Brian Cox. The guy I was thinking of, from Brian Cox equivalent, is Ty Walker. He came there. He had one year. What did he have? Eleven interceptions or something like that. Who's that? Ty Law. That one year he had.
0: Yeah, he had a great year. One little bit of trivia, and I'm going to see if you remember those guys too. Ralph, um, when Namath was in the um, national championship game, they played Texas in the Orange Bowl, and interestingly, Hudson on Texas, he was on defense, but the Texas quarterback was so bad and Hudson was such a good athlete, they put him in a quarterback. He threw a sixty sixty nine yard touchdown pass. That's right. To someone named George Sauer. And Marty,
1: then, they they there were four Super Bowl starters who were on that Texas team. Can you name them quickly? Uh, name, Hudson. Yeah. No, no, not on Texas.
0: Oh I forget name Texas, it. Name
1: um, it. Well it was uh
0: John Elliott. John Elliott. Jim Hudson. George Sauer. I forgot the last one. Pete Lammons. Pete Lammons, that's right, yeah. But it was unbelievable. He came in and they beat Alabama for the national championship. That's right. He he had
1: played some quarterback over the years in college. Uh, He was
0: was a good athlete. The problem with him is he ripped up his knee three times at a time when uh, they really didn't know uh, how to operate like they did today. Ray, do you remember Darryl Ray? and What's your recollection of him?
2: Yeah, I like Daryl Ray, and, and I, I actually was uh I was going back and forth whether to go with uh, Eric McMillan or D- Daryl Ray. Uh, he had he had quite a few good years for the Jets. He kind of anchored that that backside of the uh, of the defense for I think about six seven years. It seemed like I was looking through it. I don't remember how many exactly he played. Uh, he was solid. I, I had uh, I liked Eric McMillan because he was dynamic in the time he was. He was playing, but his his time was a lot shorter. But uh, he he felt like he did more.
0: I saw some guys had picked Victor Green, which I don't understand. He was good. I liked him. <laughs> he was pretty, yeah. But I never get, he got burnt with that game against uh, Denver. Elway. Oh, that's my that's my. I picked that as my
1: my most painful play in jet history. That that play. Oh really. Yeah, because that they were up ten nothing. They were doing fine, and that play turned the game
2: around completely. Right. I, thought, I mean, maybe I got it wrong, but I thought I read afterwards. I can't, couldn't remember, but I thought he said he didn't switch and he was supposed to. And the one that got burned was the who was the other safety that year? I
0: don't know. Listen, I Ray.
2: That play killed me, too.
0: You remember things more than me, but that I remember Victor Green yeah. with his back turn, and that that killed wow. me. All right, so, <laughs> so we were going to talk about plays, and we'll go through that quickly because I want to get to some games. Um, Ralph, you're picking the Victor Green play?
1: Yeah, that's my most painful memory for a play.
0: Mine is when Gastineau got called for roughing the passer, <laughs> Against Cleveland, and that keep resonating over and over and over again. And I was just so frustrated because that was a, a heck of a good team, and they should have won that that oh uh, yeah that playoff that year. Ray, what what about you? What play do you remember?
2: Okay, well, uh, that play is what I had written down, uh, but I thought we were going with game, not play. We, we are going to go with game next. We had so many plays over the years. Oh yeah, crushing. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to. I mean, you can throw a dart at so many different games. So that was fine. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you start with the most
0: uh, devastating game? Well. I'm going to surprise Ralph. I know that.
2: um, (laughs) It was also that Cleveland game um, because we had it wrapped up at that moment. If he hadn't roughed Kosar, that was a fourth and 10 and we extended the drive and it changed the entire, all of a sudden we couldn't stop the Browns and that would have wrapped the game up. Um, so for me, that was that game. The only the only bright side to that game was uh, uh, I was in college, and uh, a friend of mine was a big Browns fan. And the next week was the drive, so that's the only thing that, that <laughs> be. right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right, Ralph. What's your? Uh, uh, I'm gonna go going with
1: you? the uh, Miami championship game in '82 oh. because I thought that Jet team, other than the Super Bowl team, was the best team they've ever <laughs> had. Obviously, Todd was their weak link, but they were solid in every position. They were a better team than Miami. Shula knew it. He had the grass grown, and he wanted to slow them down. And what really frustrates me is, you know, the Redskins, I think that would have been a great matchup because the Redskins' strength was their front line and the Jets was their defensive front. I think they would have been a much tougher team on them. Miami was not physical enough. So that was, I think, a 50-50 game, and that just killed me.
0: My game is going back the year after the Super Bowl when they oh, lost yeah. to the Chiefs, 13-6. Were you at that game? I wasn't at that game. But what was interesting is uh, I think it was like five weeks earlier, they lost to the Chiefs 34-16. They were three-point underdogs. And the beginning of that year, I actually picked the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. Uh-huh. But I was such a huge Jet fan. I was so caught up in their Super Bowl year. I thought they had a good chance. They were playing home. But it was a typical December Shea Stadium game where the winds were swirling. Namath was like uh, 14 for 40, 164 <laughs> yards. The Jets actually got out to a 3-0 lead. But what killed them, too, is that they had the ball first and goal, at the, really at the goal goal uh, at the one-yard line. And they ended up not scoring a touchdown. They ended up just scoring a field goal. And they lost 13-6. to six. That thing was uh, was devastating for me. But you know what? We could probably all write a book, like an encyclopedia. <laughs> so, anyway, look, I want to give you guys one more scenario, then we'll wrap it up. Okay, I started last week, and I think I got it down. I started telling you guys about a game with the uh, 2017 pa- Patriots offense against the 80 – was it 85, Ralph? Bears yeah. defense. Yeah. Now, this is the scenario I set up. The Bears are winning 14 to 10. The Patriots have the ball. It's second and 15 at the Bears 35. There's 55 seconds to go. What would you rather be in the Bears position or the Patriots position? Ray. What what yard line? Uh, 35. Brady just took a five-yard sack. They're, they're, Chicago's winning 14-10, so it's not that wide open. And they 55 need seconds, they're on the Bears 35? Um, yeah. They go, okay. They, they, yeah, right. they're going in for a touch. Yeah. I mean, if they needed a field goal, they didn't need that much. They need a touchdown, though.
2: Right. Ray, well, who would you rather be, the Bears or the Patriots? This is the 85 Bears? Yeah. Uh, I give the Bears a shot on that one. Because I, I think they were one of the teams that could have given him pressure. And if you can get pressure up the middle on Brady, he makes uh, he makes mistakes. But if you come from the sides, he's not affected. And that was one of those teams that could have gotten pressure from all angles. And I, I give him a shot at stopping him on that
0: one. Okay, uh, Ralph. And I'll put in, let's say, that, he, that the Pats had two timeouts left. All right, Ralph. I,
1: I'd go with the Patriots because – Fourth quarter, and uh, usually our defensive lines get tired. <laughs> that, that's what Brady would feed on his whole career.
0: I I would go with the Bears. The, the again, that team averaged like I think they gave up like twelve and a half points a game. They were just like, it was amazing watching that team. I think they lost one game that year. Yeah, to Miami, Miami, the Miami. That's right. That's right. But uh, and it's it's not like they they shut out a lot of teams, but uh, they, they were just unbelievable the whole year. They played
1: the Jets that year. Remember, when it
0: was in shit. The, the shade, Jets it was like, did too bad. I think it was twenty to uh, six. Yeah, exactly. They, they they played it pretty good, but they they played it pretty good. But you all know that they, that was going to be a loss. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, moving on. Uh, let's see what else we got. We got
1: the trivia question. You guys got the answer.
0: Uh, okay how many pro guys made pro bowls
1: yeah in their career it doesn't have to be as a jet but there are how many guys on the jets roster have played in the pro bowl if
0: i get the number right not the players is that like half right
1: (laughs) Uh, yeah that's half i'll
0: give you half all right i'm gonna take a guess and i'm gonna say three
2: okay ray i'm gonna say four Four is the answer. I was going to
0: say that. Go ahead. <laughs> All right, but I'm not
2: sure who they are. Well, Adams, I'm... Bell, and then I'm going to say Mosley and uh, Williams. Well, who'd you say? Adams, Bell, Mosley, and Williamson. Uh, not Williamson. Yeah. Not Williamson. Yes, yeah, kind of a it's kind of a tricky one. Oh, actually. wait a minute. Hey, I just thought of somebody. Never mind.
0: <laughs> it's a tricky one. It sounds like Ray got,
2: got it. I think I forgot the obvious one. Oh, I obvious. know
0: it. I got it. I know it.
2: Should I yeah. wait for? Rich? Go, go. Rich Flacco. No, he no. did not. He I'm did not saying, play. I'm gonna say Gore. Gore, that's oh, it.
0: Oh, that's right. That's right. I forgot about. It.
1: So anyway, quickly, what that tells you is a couple of things: the Jets don't have much of a personnel. They're a young team, yep. and uh, <laughs> and it's tough to make the Pro Bowl because I I, I assume Flacco, Flacco and Williamson were the two guys I thought might have done it.
0: Yeah. Guys, how lucky is Joe Flacco when (laughs) his contract ran out and then um, he wins the Super Bowl? And if I remember, I think Ray reminded me, in in that game, there was a safety that just let the receiver get behind him for no reason at all. But I think he had
2: to – go ahead, Ray, I'm sorry. That was the playoffs against Denver. They never should have been in the Super Bowl. Okay,
0: Denver. And, and But that, that guy, I mean, he signs the most lucrative contract for a quarterback <laughs> at the time. Anyway, we're going to wrap it up uh, for uh, Ralph Schreger, uh, Ray Clifford, and uh, Marty Schupack. This has been Jets Rewind. Until next time.